0: be consistent. That consistency will lead to trust and dependability. I know Larry's always at his desk at 10 minutes to nine. I know that he's there.
1: Hey, what's happening everybody? Larry Roberts back with another awesome episode of the readily random podcast. And you know, hopefully we can get this episode off to a good start. And I say that because my guest today, he's the CEO and founder of get a good start. He's a corporate coach. He's a speaker, an author, a designer, a podcaster, a marketer. He's got all his bases covered. And I tell you what, he has the education in place to back each and every bit of it up. So let's get right to it. Let's meet Scott Agnoli. Scott, welcome to the podcast.
0: Larry, thank you very much. Pleasure being on today.
1: So yeah, man, I had the pleasure of being on your show. Uh, we met at a PodMax event, which those are always awesome. Everybody loves when they participate in a podcast, uh, a PodMax event. They love being a part of that. Man, they just generate such a, I don't know, it's just a, a cohesive atmosphere for podcasters and everybody alike. And I had the pleasure of meeting you there. And now here we are today. So thank you for
0: joining me. Oh, no, absolutely. The uh, That event is really great because there's a lot of synergies that go on. There's a lot of like-minded people everyone just trying to help others really when it comes right down to, it. and it's just a, great, just a great time.
1: So, man, that's cool. We had a great conversation when I was on your show and, you know, we thought, Hey, let's continue the conversation, but maybe flip the script a little bit and uh, have you come on readily random and be a part of my show as well. So I want to learn more about Scott. So I love what you do with get a good start. Tell us, how you got started in that arena and what really led you down that path?
0: Well, it started 30 years ago, actually. When I had left college thinking I knew everything there was to know and I was smarter than everyone else, I was going to go to the big city in New York and conquer the advertising world. And I got there and uh, I fell in with a very good company. Uh, they're, they're not around anymore, but it was, it was a catalog marketing and design firm called AGA. And there, there were so many different levels. And I seen people go in and out, get promoted ahead of me. Uh, I got promoted ahead of other people. And I just started keeping a notebook, you know, good habits in the workplace. Because I had never, no one, no one teaches you good etiquette in the office. You learn it. Then email came out, like maybe the second or third year I was out working. It became a thing. Before that, there really wasn't any email per se, the way we use it today. And there was no kind of dating yourself, aren't you, yeah. Scott? Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but this is where this is where it all stemmed from, because those experiences going through the technological revolution, going through the advent of the Internet, watching things go more digital. You know, myself taking uh, companies through rebranding and, and different in different sectors, including the retail world and the uh, banking industry. I started taking on, when I got to a senior management level, working for a bank, I started having interns. You know, people, uh, colleges, particularly Seton Hall, would call us up and say, hey, do you take interns? And we're like, yeah, we'll take a few. So I used to take three, four interns a summer. And during that time, I used to go back to that notebook that I used to keep. And I'd write down, you know, don't do this, don't do that. And out of that, I came up with a fun Friday. Every Friday, I'd meet with my interns, and I'd give them two hours of advice and life coaching. And at the end of the summer there, the, of the first summer I did that, uh, the director of the leadership development group of where I got the, the interns from said, this is really great stuff. Do you teach us? I'm like, teach it. No, I'm just kind of helping, you know, I'm helping people learn. I,
1: I live it yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so. And
0: and he goes, do you, what, what other stuff do you, do you have in that notebook? And I, I said, I don't know, you know, just their notes, you know, if uh, let's say I did, I discovered a great work habit, you know, and people talk about them all the time, like time management things, like five minutes to every hour, you just sort of clean up your desk real quick. You spend five minutes doing that. Then at the end of the day, your desk isn't a mess, particularly in a corporate environment, particularly in a banking environment where there's regulations and rules and about privacy and keeping, you know, customer records out on your desk and everything, you have to put it away and file it and all that you know, just simple habits like that. I kept writing down and keeping notes. So for, th- I had 30 years in these notes, you know, fast forward to about a, two years ago, I left, uh, I left the bank. I I felt like I had fulfilled my, my tasks there and had done a, a great job with a great team I built. And I decided to go help another friend of mine do wor- work at his agency. And then I lo- at that time I launched scott creative which is my marketing and design freelance business and i i looked at all this paperwork i had of all these notes and i said you know i could help a lot of people with this and i just haphazardly took those notes and i i went and gave a lecture at seton hall uh, because the director there said hey can you come do that thing you were doing when you were the marketing director at the bank i said sure they loved it. And he said, you shouldn't formalize this more. And I took time. I put it all together. And I, right now I have four classes that I assembled, but I said, you know what? No, one's going to listen to me unless I give them value first. And so I said, let me start, get a good start. I made it a podcast. And what I decided to do is start talking to people who had succeeded in a business, had been around the corporate world, had something to offer that you wouldn't learn from books or from school. And uh, it all came out of one phrase, which is, if I knew then what I know now. And it's really about that whole tribal thing, right? Uh, you know, sitting around a campfire, telling, passing on information and, and, and uh, knowledge from one generation to the next. That's the point of view I was taking with the podcast was that passing on the experiences, passing on the information that you don't learn in school. No one could teach you it actually in school. Um, There's very few uh, institutions I've looked at that have anything where they teach you these sort of things. They might touch on networking, but no one teaches you about managing perspectives uh, uh, or perceptions of yourself, uh, managing yourself around a water cooler, how to succeed at a meeting or mastering a meeting. You know, your first time you're in a big, I can tell you the first time I was in a big boardroom, I just wanted to run out of the room because there all these suits come in or sit around this big boardroom. And everybody's just hammering away questions and you don't want to be left, uh, you know, dry mouthed and just staring at everybody when somebody asks you a question. <laughs> Got
1: those sweaty yeah. palms yeah. and you're just freaking out and you can't form a sentence. Yeah, all those are extremely scary times that you can't translate in a classroom environment. It is something that has to come from the experience and as you mentioned the tribal knowledge and it's so unique from environment to environment that almost it almost has to be tailor fit to the environment that you're in. Yeah.
0: It does have to be tailor fit, but there are some commonalities that happen no matter where. I mean, there's ways to conduct yourself, there's ways to communicate properly. You know, one, one tip I, I tell all my, um, all my students is if somebody shoots a mean email at you, right, and you just want to hammer them back, number one, don't do it. But number two, I say it's better off <laughs> you type it out. You type it out. You don't address it. So you don't put, you know, Larry Roberts up at the, uh, at the two. Do not put an, put an address in that address bar. you type bar. out your response as angry <laughs> it's, as it's going to be. And then you save it in the drafts and tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and you're going to read it again and you're going to delete it because you got, you got to get it out. It's part of human nature, but you don't send it or you don't reply all to everyone. You know, there's just simple things like that, that I've learned myself. I've learned from others. Mentors have taught me that you don't get unless you're out there every day working. So really I'm giving students a leg up on their, on their peers because I'm providing them knowledge and experience that they wouldn't get otherwise. And they're getting a condensed form and bite-sized form so they can absorb it, use it, put it into action. And, uh, and I know it's working because of the 200 and something subscribers I have that uh, get my, my workshops and stuff, there's so many success stories. I mean, just one kid uh, a couple weeks ago said he deployed just a simple thing about asking people about what they do and, and building a relationship that way led to a job you know, in a very short order that he would have never had otherwise. And he said he would have never thought of doing some of the things I told him about. And there's no rocket science to what I teach. It's not, I have to say, it's not revolutionary at all. It's not even evolutionary. It's just common sense, putting it all together at the same time, being consistent and knowing that nothing happens overnight. It's slow, methodical, consistent work. Every day working towards a goal. And it's not hard. It's not, it's not really labor intensive if you if you if you plan for it and you dedicate yourself to it, everything's possible.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. And hearing that from you kind of brings back some memories of mine that would I wish I had thought differently when I started my corporate career or really my second corporate career. Because, you know, I I I just recently retired from a 21 year career with the same company. And over that 21 years, You know, I had taken some steps initially that kind of bit me every step of the way. You know, I was in my 20s when I started there. There was a hot little executive assistant that I hung out with all the time. And we had this massive project. And she would do things like put together the lunch list for everybody that, you know, that she would order lunch. She would make Sam's runs. And, you know, being the chivalrous guy that I am, I volunteered to help her any way that I could. It had nothing to do with the fact that again she was hot I was single and well, you know I enjoyed hanging out with her a little bit but guess what we were in the midst of a massive project that was global executives from all of our facilities across the globe would meet together in New York and in Dallas and what did they see when they saw Larry come into that room they saw Larry as essentially an executive assistant And even though I had a different position, even though I was a training manager, I had just come out of the warehouse. They pulled me out of the warehouse and put me in a training position in IT where I was the training manager over our our distribution center. But they didn't see that. They saw the guy that was chasing after the little executive assistant making Sam's runs. So even decades after that project kicked off, and even though I had climbed the ranks and now I was a data analyst and I was telling them how to manage their inventory then telling them how to project their sales guess what they still looked at larry as the little puppy dog chasing after the executive assistant and it wasn't until some of those folks retired that i was actually able to improve my standing from a perception point of view you know others were looking at me differently so these types of things it's great information to have out of the gate, and again, it's that knowledge that you can't really have unless you've lived it, unless you've been there. So I wish I had someone like you that had said, "Hey, Larry, on, step over here for a couple hours. Let me let me tell you a little something, something." Because what you're doing here is you're establishing, you know, expectations, and you're shooting yourself in the foot here. How do you help others avoid that? And do you have a story where you look back and you go, "Hey, man." This was my, my eye-opener. I wish someone had told me this. Do you have one of those?
0: Yeah, you know, I do. Yeah, I'm laughing the whole time you're telling me that story because that's straight out of the textbook of, of my uh, managing perceptions webinar that where I teach people, you know, water cooler talk, you know, uh, not calling in sick on, 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 uh, on Mondays because just a bad, it's a bad look. I don't care if you're really sick, you show up Mondays because otherwise, if you're a young kid, they're going to think you're partying all weekend and you couldn't get up Monday mornings. Call in Tuesday, never call in sick Mondays, right? And the, and the other thing was, sure, I have uh, a, a story similar to that. Uh, what, it didn't have to do with a girl, but it had to do with partying. You know, you know, I got, I was on some cold medicine and I decided to have a bunch of drinks with the guys at, at a corporate event, a uh, big advertising, you know, I was a young kid, big advertising firm in New York. You know, we're at this big, huge party with a lot of executives, a lot of our clients, including Anheuser-Busch and uh, NASCAR was there and some of our biggest clients were there. And, you know, the combination of one too many drinks and the cold medicine I was on, the allergy medicine actually, really put me over the top to the point where, you know, one one of the vice presidents of creative put me in a cab and sent me home. And from that point on, I was tagged as, you know, that party guy. And so to alleviate that, I really had to like shut it all down from the get go and, and, and just be on the straight and narrow. And I can't say I didn't have fun, but I never had fun. Work didn't know I had, you know, I was too mu- I, I was a party guy ever again. I never, I never drank openly in front of anyone uh, from my work or, you know, if there was social media at that point, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have posted anything about it. So, you know, managing perception, you know, they always say dress for the job you want, not for the one you have. And here, here's a great example. Someone, one of my students came to me and said, you know, I've been looking for a job for over a year out of school and I can't get one. I said, I'd never met him. It was only through email, right? We, I used to coach him and, and virtually, and I said, uh, you know, let, let's let meet for coffee one day. So we met and here he is. He's got, looked like he hadn't combed or got his hair cut in about, you know, four or five years. It was purple. He hadn't really shaved in forever and he's going for a job in marketing at big corporations. I said to him, listen, your, your resume is stellar. Your knowledge base is stellar. I said, and you know what? It shouldn't matter what color your hair is as long as it's clean, but your, why make it more difficult on yourself from the get go? I said, go get a haircut let your hair go back to its normal color, catch a shave, neaten up the beard, make it look like normal. Okay. Whatever, whatever that is, make it look normal for the interview process. And for the first two years at the organization, I said, you do that. I guarantee you'll get a job a little bit faster. You manage a perception of who you are after you get in door and show them what you can do, grow out your hair any way you want. Let it go purple. Cause people say, Oh, that's just Scott. You know, he, he,
1: He's just creative That's like right. that. That's
0: right. He's great. Hey, I ran into that at the bank. I wanted to go up a level and I refused to wear a white shirt. Now, not wearing a white shirt with a tie at a bank is like taboo, right? But I figured I was the creative guy. I was the marketing director, uh, or I was the creative guy, and I wanted to be a marketing director. And I'm like, this is how I show who I am. I'm the creative guy. So every day I had a different shirt with a coordinated tie, different colored shirt every day. And during my review, my boss said to me, listen, I want you to have better presence. If you want to move up the ladder, I need you to have better presence. And I'm like, presence? What the hell does that mean? Said, you know, in the boardroom when we're there every Monday morning, I want you to look more like Paul or like Rich. Now, that was the head landing officer and the chief chief retail officer. And they always had white, heavily starched shirts and a beautiful tie. And I said, so you don't like my colored shirts? He goes, no, no, no. I mean, that's your style and you're the creative guy. I get it. But you know, sometimes you need to kind of fit in, not stand out. Okay. I went home that night and I threw out all my colored shirts on uh, a true story. All of them. I bought a dozen white shirts. I wore a white shirt. I never wore a colored shirt to work ever again. And you know what? Within a year I got the promotion. I got the directorship. I, I moved up the ladder very quickly. It's about perceptions. Unfortunately, I don't, if you want to be a rebel and fight, swim up river, that's fine. You know, you're going to, you're going to flow down river a lot easier and make, don't make it harder for yourself, particularly at the beginning. You know, I've have I have a dozen stories like that from different students I've talked to and from all the 30 years it's out there. Don't make your life more difficult. I'm not saying you can't have colored hair. I'm not saying you can't dress the way you want. But there are certain periods of time, if you want to achieve certain things, you have to play ball a little bit. You have to fit in. Okay. But you don't have to fit in forever, just until you prove yourself at that next level and do whatever the hell you want. You see it all over the place. Oh, that guy, you know, I remember saying, oh, that guy, he always leaves, always leaves at four o'clock. Why? Does he have special hours? No. And I found out, guy knocks down $100, 200000000 million in loans a year. They don't mind. He leaves at four o'clock every day. <laughs>
1: Guess what? They, they get you yeah, a little freedom. That buys right. you a little freedom right, right there. The, yeah. If
0: the for, I'm sure in the first few years, if he wasn't knocking down that level of loans, he tried to leave at four o'clock, he'd get knocked up the uh, head up, up the side of head about it. You know. But that's just some things you don't learn. Like you said, you don't learn about it, and you have to struggle with it. And I'd rather not see kids struggle, particularly right out of school, because they have enough on their plate.
1: So tell us more about the
0: program. How, where are you implementing
1: the program and what are some of your future goals for the program?
0: I currently, I'm implementing it through my, my email list through students who have signed up over the last year or so. I have four workshops, one about, I talked about uh, perceptions, one about mastering meetings, one, one about work habits, and one about networking and relationship building. And that's actually the, ba- that's the first one of the four and I've actually done that one about six times already to different groups of students. And through word of mouth, I've had it out there and more and more people have been coming to it. I've also done an in-person lecture twice at Seton Hall and once at Ryder University. Tech I High School in the, in the Bronx is looking to do one with me. That's all stemmed out of the podcast, right? People hear the podcast. They ask me more. They say, what, what else do you do? And I tell them because I didn't want to be a hard sell on this because it technically, it te- actually, I don't want students to pay for it. I'd rather have career services at colleges or human resources departments or student success, bar, success departments implement this into their uh, internship or work study programs or any of those to prepare a better student for the corporate life or for an internship. So, the future goal is, and this is where I've been making a, a lot of um, outreach to a lot of directors of career services at colleges, student success directors and assistants and advisors, telling them, "Hey, take a look at what I have to offer. Let's implement this into your program, whether it be a business leadership program, which many uh, schools have, or if they come and they're going to, their students are seeking internships, they have to take this class and." you know, it, it can be virtual, it can be in in, uh, in person. And I've, uh, you know, just this week, I put a post out on my LinkedIn uh, talking about, th- it's kind of my first real advertising around any of this that I've been doing. And uh, I, my hopes is that with some talks that I've had and some connection I made in the, in the university space, uh, I'll be able to implement this on a much larger scale uh, with a lot of different schools kind of think it's it's a value-based thing. They, they, the, the schools are going to get a lot of value out of it. Businesses are going to get better prepared students in their internship programs and, you know, students are going to find success in their life just following some basic things and absorbing the experience from not only my 30 years, but if you look at probably exponentially from all the people I've had in contact in those 30 years and what I've learned from them, I'm passing on. and. And, you know, if the school looked at as a as a per student basis, it's really not a lot of money at all.
1: Who is your ideal student? I mean, is it somebody right out of school? Is it somebody that has a little experience and are looking? Can, can you help those that have maybe got their career off to a start and they're, they're stumbling oh, absolutely. a little bit?
0: I think there's plenty of opportunity to help someone who's kind of stalled in their career move it along. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight as anything, but, you know, there are steps you can take. To, to change that you know my ideal student is for, for part of the program is a senior going off to college because they they need to start building those relationships and networking day one at college they need to go check out
1: so they really need to get this started quick we're not talking about you've already got the job you're on site and maybe you're struggling to find your path you're talking about right out of high school before you even get to college we start refining these skills we start, figuring out who we are from a corporate perspective. And we help lay out that pathway to success.
0: I I look at it as, you know, take the first class around networking uh, and relationship building prior to going to college. And then I have some adjunct stuff that hadn't developed yet around studying that I've been working with a friend of mine who probably going to help me develop more of those things into a better class. But really getting those students out of high school, talk to them about relationship building and networking and mentorship, which they they don't know anything about. No one teaches you that kind of stuff. Really uh, sophomores, juniors who are ready to start going out to internship programs, maybe research project assistance, that's another group they could take all of the classes and really benefit from it. And of course, seniors who are graduating, going off into the corporate world, perfect time. But I'll tell you a quick story about someone in the corporate world who came to me was having trouble uh, and I said, you know, you could turn this around really quick because they weren't getting anywhere. They felt they were being passed over. I said, I felt that way too. I've been there. I, I've been passed over, felt like someone else was getting. And and what they told me was kind of funny. They said, well, they got the job because they, they, they knew the, pres- the, the vice president at department. I'm like, what do you mean new? Well, they're buddy, buddy with them. And I said, well, could do you think you could have been buddy, buddy with them? Yeah, I probably could have. Have you ever gone to talk to that person and say, Hey, what do I need to do to be in that spot to have when opportunity comes up, you pick me? No. Well, here's some things you need to do. And we went through a list and I took them through an exercise and within six months, they said they kind of turned the ship around from just kind of lollygagging and, and kind of floating on the water to really steering in a direction, but they had to do it with purpose. They had to ask, they had to maybe improve themselves. It turned out she needed to take a couple of classes and she took them online and took them within a month, paid out of her own pocket to do so, put in some effort. And, and, but it's not just about doing it, but it's also about telling people after it's done saying to the, the guy who manages the department you want to get into, Hey, you know, I really want to get in your department because I, I completed these two classes, I think could help me in your department. Is there anything else I can do? You know, so for those people who are in the first, I'd say five years of their career, I can definitely help you. You know, it's, it's something that people, because they're not taught it, maybe they don't pick up on it. Or if you don't have a good manager when you get into the corporate world and no one teaches you some of these good habits, rather they just make you a taskmaster and they just, say, here's your task for today. Go do it. Don't think, just do it. I want to teach you how to think, how to direct your, your career. You know, definitely that my, my initial best student is in still in college. Right. But certainly there are going to be cases and I've, I've handled a handful of them in the last year of people who are already in the corporate world and are, like you said, kind of stalled.
1: What do you see as the biggest challenge there when, from your students' perspective?
0: After you've had several students,
1: if you could identify one pain point that stands out amongst all the students that you've
0: had, what would that be? Boredom and having to do redundant tasks because they're the new kid on the block. And, you know, so you go, you, you go through four years of school and you're ready to get your, your hands dirty in the real work. Well, you get to a company, they're not going to give you the real work. No matter what your job title is, they don't trust you yet right they They know you can do the job, but they don't trust you with anything important, so you get all these crap jobs right and I tell people there's <laughs> there's there's one one way one of the work habits I talk about is work late it's easy to work late, you know why? Because you only have to stay late later than about eighty percent of the people, and usually that's about forty five minutes late i I know it's a crap I know it's a crap job, but you know at the end of the day. Everyone else is going home. Stay there. Get some extra work done for the next day. Do something someone asked you for, just for forty-five minutes, maybe an hour, and then go home. People will see, and and you got to show up early every day for work. I said, you know, doing that, and and oh, I forgot this one. This is the most important. Somebody says, Scott, go go collate all these all these reports, and I need ten copies each. I need them stapled. Don't gripe. Think that's your. This is your building block. You that's that task is one block in many that you're gonna have to, do, to build a foundation of trust. So you take those reports and you go, no problem. I'll take care of it and walk away with a smile. Do it with with pride. Put them together. Make sure all the staples are the same way and everything's nice and neat and hand it back to them right away, and get it done and make it seem like these, you know, minuscule seemingly unimportant tasks that you're being handed as a first-year employee, if you can't do those right, they're not going to give you any other jobs to do. So if you want to move up faster, you want to see success and pass your peers, even the crap jobs, you got to do with pride, with neatness, with speed, and with happiness. You got to show that. You have to go above and beyond. I always point to this book called uh, The Fred Factor. It's a great book about a mailman who gives exceptional service. Now you read this, you'll say, there's no way there's a real guy out there like this, but it is, it's a true story. And it's someone who it's a mailman who's taken the mundane task of delivering mail and doing it in an an exceptional way and caring about that mundane task. And I tell the students, I said, your first job is going to stink. You're not going to love it, but you have to love it. You have to embrace it. That's how you're going to get up the ladder. That's how you're going to show people that you have pride in your work. You love what you do and you're willing to do anything to get to the next level. And just doing those crummy jobs, redundant, mindless jobs over and over again and doing them in a happy manner, it it, it speaks volumes about you. I, I could tell you 30 stories, 50 stories about people who worked for me that I was giving them not so great jobs to do and the ones that performed very well got the next opportunity. Ones who didn't stayed there until they showed me they were ready to move on.
1: And that's the thing. You know, we, we, we live in such a society that's instant gratification. We think that maybe, yeah, okay, we'll do these reports. We'll collate the reports and staple them all on a 45-degree angle and make sure that everything's nice and straight and neat. We'll do it once. But now I've proved myself. Do you see that that thought process a lot where they think, man, I've already done it. I've done it like five times. Yeah, I get to work on time. Do you get there early? No. Yeah, I stayed late. How late? Five minutes. How long a lunch did you take? Hour and a half. Come on. You got to meet me somewhere. Do you see that kind of issue on a day-to-day basis when dealing with folks?
0: I have done, you know, when I had, I don't want to call them a millennial because it really wouldn't be fair.
1: Yeah, don't say the M word. We'll get in trouble.
0: They didn't (laughs) feel like it was necessary that they weren't gaining anything, from being part of a team and their part of being a team was this particular job or task. And I think as a manager, it was my duty to tell them, listen, this part of the job isn't glamorous and it may not seem that, you know, worthwhile to you, but really if you don't do this job correctly, the rest of the team fails and making them know that they're part of something bigger than themselves, that they're contributing in a a way that's very meaningful to a lot of other people. That gives them a little pride. And if you don't engage a student at that level, if you don't engage a first year employee or or internship at that level, they don't really, they don't feel married to the work. They don't feel ownership of the work. I always used to try to give them, I felt the best when somebody said, this is why this is important. Scott, you got to knock this out of the park. I know it just, Gluing, you know, printouts onto boards so we could present that at a, at a sales meeting. But if you don't do it really well, it's going to look like crap, and the agency is going to look like crap, and then we're not going to get that. Oh, I get it. Oh, you know, I really got, I really got to pay attention to how neatly I do this job. And so when I became a manager and had to ask people to do things which reflected on me, reflected on other people on my team, I tried to give them more, and I'd even say. Listen, the what we have to accomplish here is collate all these books and and put the papers in order and I want your input. do you think there's a better way of doing this? Give them an opportunity I, I think as a when you're a manager, that's something you don't always think about doing. you rather just here take this, go do it or you're fired right That's the difference between leader well, that's a difference between leadership and management, right <laughs> managers lead. I'm going to use that word very loosely. uh, uh, Managers manage from a point of power, right? Where you do it or you're fired. Where leadership is really voluntary. I want to lead. I want to give you an opportunity to follow me. I'm going to give you an example. I don't have to have title of manager to lead you. I just have to do my everyday thing in a way I think gives an example, a good example to you how we should conduct ourselves. And I actually have a very good example of that. I got criticized that a lot of my team were not coming to work on time and that they were leaving right at five o'clock where I wasn't. Uh, you know, I was there early and left late. So what I started to do is let them know that I was there early because if an employee comes in late, they don't know what time you're there early. So I used to invite one of them in early for an early meeting every so, you know, randomly and we'd tackle some work and got there and they would always go, wow, we could get a lot of work done in the morning before everybody gets there. I'm like, yeah, it can. And slowly over time, half of my staff started showing up about an hour early to work to get ahead for their work so that when the day started, everyone else was there they could be more part of the team and help the team as a whole. And then we all wound up succeeding and actually we all wound up going home on time every night. So, you know, sometimes just by illustrating the behavior over and over again, you're a leader. So that's the difference between, you know, leadership and management. And it's something I sprinkle into all my classes about how to be a good leader or how to, how to manage people. Cause I don't care whether you're a student in college or a senior executive at, at a bank, you're going to have to lead someone. You're going to have to have to get someone to do something for you. And even as a student, on, a, on let's say on a group project, you knowing some certain management techniques, some certain ways of communicating, make giving them ownership of the project together, you know, you're not going to wind up with a group project where one person does all the work and three people just kind of stand up there and, and look silly and get an A, even though you did all the work. You know, I can help you manage those expectations.
1: And it sounds like leadership by example as well. And I think that's something that we, we just, we lose sight of is people being in these management positions are exactly what you're talking about. They manage, they do this, do this, do this. Here's my expectations for this, 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 but they don't necessarily lead. And they definitely don't lead by example. Uh, there, there's that, that disassociation with the employee and disassociation with the rest of the team where. You know, I, one of the things that really frustrated me near the end of my corporate adventures was the, the de- definite line that had appeared over the last several years between management and the teams. You know, they were now separate. They, they were now at a different level. Even though years and years and years, we all worked cohesively together, the environment started to change. And over the last decade or so, I started to see that, Management was now lo- being looked at as, we're something special, and you're just the worker bees. And that didn't set too well with old Lair. So, And, and I know it didn't set well with anybody. Other people were just better at hiding that or better at pretending they appreciated what they were being told. Yeah, this is great. And then they talk the smack behind the manager's back, right? Well, I'm a little different in that. I'm going to tell you how I feel straight to your face, but sometimes that doesn't go over very well. But if you're a leader and you learn to lead by example and you learn to position yourself by example, by going through and doing the things necessary to set yourself apart, not just from your teammates, but even from a manager's perspective, Set yourself apart by, like you were saying, staying late, getting there early. You know, Vince Lombardi, the legendary coach, he had everybody run on Lombardi time, which was what? 15 minutes early. If you you weren't 15 minutes early to a team meeting, guess what you were? You were late. So that's a great way to establish yourself as a leader. Put yourself in a position, operate on your time, operate on Lombardi time. Get there early. Stay late. Show your team that you're dedicated to not just your success, but their success as well. And everybody will rise to the top.
0: Another thing that they struggle with, uh, I'd say, new employees to the corporate world is, well, you know, there was traffic, so I was late today. Or, you know, I they wind up getting to work at different times, right? So one day they might get there early. One day they get there a little late. One day they get there right on time. And what I tell them all is pick a time. Pick a time you're going to be at work. I don't care if it's right on time, which I, I don't agree with, but it, whether it's right on time, 15 minutes early, half hour early, whatever it is, be consistent, because that consistency will lead to trust and dependability. Oh, I know, I know Larry's always at his desk at 8.05. I know Larry's always at his desk at 10 minutes to 9. Whatever it is, I know that he's there so I can trust to call him and get him to do something for me. I, that, a true story, I was at the bank for about three or four months and the president had a, um, had a habit of walking around around 7.30 in the morning. And I was, because I had been used to work walking uh, uh, working in New York and taking the train, my body was just accustomed to getting up at 6 a.m. and being on my way to work at 6.30. So for me, going from working to New York, into New Jersey... All of a sudden, now I found myself at my desk at seven thirty every morning, just because, right? And so it was fine. I was there, and he used to walk by every couple of days and see me and go, "Hey, who are you? Uh, I'm Scott," and blah blah blah. And it w- it was nice because sometimes we have these morning chats. Cut to like a year later, I'm still the new employee, right? Because at a bank, people stay there for forty years. You know, they're they're forever, and and I get a phone call at seven thirty five, and it's the president. and He goes. Scott. Yeah. Listen, I need you to go to my office and get, I left my speech there. I'm at a breakfast meeting and I got to give a speech. I left on my desk, go in my office, get the desk, go to the desk. It's on the right-hand side on yellow paper. Bring it to me. I'm at this place up the street. You'll be able to get here by eight, eight 15. No problem. I have to talk eight 30. Okay. Click. I go do it. And I asked him, I said, well, of all the people you could have called, why'd you call me? He because I knew you would be at your desk at seven 30. I knew you'd be there. I don't have to give you any more examples than that. I can't tell you that, that. I can't directly tell you that led to my success at the bank, but I'm sure it had something to do with the framework, the foundation of my success at the bank. And so be consistent.
1: I love it. Well, Scott, where can people find out more about you? Can they follow you on social media? Can they learn more about your program?
0: Give us all the details. Absolutely. If, if you go to getagoodstart.com, uh, you'll see the, my blog page, and on that blog page, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter that goes out that tells you about the, the guests that's on the podcast that week. And all news and information can be uh, found on all my social media channels, I'm on Instagram, on um, Facebook, at Get A Good Start. So that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. You could also email scott at getagoodstart.com and ask me a question
1: cool deal man well i'll definitely include all of those notes in the show notes for this episode scott i can't thank you enough for joining me man it's been a pleasure and you bring a lot you bring a lot of experience to the table and i highly recommend that anyone listening to this episode i guarantee you'll find some benefit to what scott's doing so check it out scott thanks again man uh, My 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 pleasure thanks larry everybody take care be sure you subscribe to the show and uh, i'll see you soon in the next episode